Turn, if you would, tonight to 1 Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter one. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we do thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for the beautiful weather you've given us this week. We thank you for the health and the strength that you've made available to us. I thank you, Lord, for uh, your word. I pray that you'd use it tonight to speak to our hearts and God that you'd help me to say what you've laid upon my heart and that it would be a help uh, to each person here this evening. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Well, last week we began looking at the, this letter of the Apostle Paul to the believers, to the church there in Corinth. We know that as uh, he wrote to the people in Corinth from last week's message, that Corinth was a busy, bustling, prosperous place that was known for its sin, that was known for its uh, heathenism, its, its paganism, its ungodly way of life. And yet, as the Word of God was preached, souls were saved and lives were changed and a church was started. And I tried to remind us last week that it can be done, even in an ungodly society. In an ungodly culture, lives can be changed by the preaching of the Word of God. People can get their heart right. Souls can be saved. Sometimes it doesn't seem like it's going to happen, but it can happen. And... We need to remember that, but as Paul was writing this letter back to the believers, those that he cared about, he reminded them in verse number 2 that as a result of being sanctified or, as a res or, or that they were sanctified in Christ Jesus, meaning they were saved by Christ Jesus, and as a result of that, they were set apart, no longer a part of the world, but now they were set apart for the service of the Lord. And he said, called to be saints, meaning that they were called or they were summoned to be holy, to be pure, to be blameless, and uh, that is what they were supposed to strive for. He went on to say there in verse number 2 that it was the same for all who call upon the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. And so the point I tried to make was this, that as a child of God, we have been sanctified. We have been set apart. For those of us who are believers, it is no longer about our will. It's no longer about our desires. It's no longer about our wants. It's about trying to do what God has called us to do. And in the process, live a holy and pure and blameless life. Unfortunately, so many people don't care about that. They name the name of Christ, and yet they're going to live how they want to live. They're going to do what they want to do. And when they fail to do what they want to do, they just make excuses for it and roll on like it's no big deal. It's unfortunate, but that is the way that modern Christianity looks these days. And so I hope that that's not true of us. I hope that we have a desire to live a holy and pure life, to be that saint that we have been called to be. Tonight, moving on, we're going to be in verses 4 through 9. As we are, I want to begin with a story that I'm sure I've shared at some point in the past, but I hope that it'll illustrate the thought that I want to convey tonight that I feel like I'm supposed to. But almost 18 years ago, when Susie and I moved to Tulsa, and I began what, what would be my two-year internship there. Uh, moving there from Springfield, we began meeting a lot of new people, of course, new faces to match all those new names that we were trying to learn. And it was really impossible for us to get to know everyone uh, on a very personal level. But one of the families that we were able to meet, and, and again, just from a casual perspective or from a casual uh, relationship, was a family by the name of the Hendricks. And... Uh, 
they had what would be two sons that would have been in my Sunday school class had they both been at church, but both of them were away from college. They had a daughter that was in the high school department. But uh, uh, Mr. Hendricks was a police officer there in Broken Arrow, just a suburb of Tulsa, and his wife was a teacher at a Christian school, I believe. And uh, again, just a, a casual relationship with them, but it was a good home. It was one of those homes where the husband and the wife and the kids, they were faithful. Uh, again, when they were home from college, they were faithful. They were involved in the church. They were doing what they were supposed to be doing. They were the kind of family that just worked behind the scenes, and they were not an easy family to get to know. That being said, their oldest son, who I've already mentioned was in college, he was at Texas A&M getting an engineering degree. Their middle child, who uh, was closer to my age, was at Bible college studying to be a pastor and again their daughter was in high school and so our time there went on and of course we left after two and a half years and and we didn't stay in contact with them because we were not close but a couple of years later we went back to Eastland we went back to uh, the church and we were you know just kind of greeted by a lot of different people wanting to know how we were doing things like that and I came across Brother Hendricks I don't even remember his first name. That's how close we were. But Brother Hendricks came up to me and, and was just asking how we were doing and visiting. And, and I asked him, I said, well, how's, and I called his name. I said, how's he doing? And he said, you didn't hear. And I said, no, I didn't hear. Hear what? And he said he was murdered a couple of years ago. I said, man, what in the world happened? And he explained to me real quick how his life had kind of spiraled out of control. Obviously, he had dropped out of Bible college. He wasn't studying for the ministry any longer. He had made his way to Louisville, Kentucky, and there he was living on the streets as a homeless individual. And he was beat to death by another homeless man. And it will take me a long time to forget that story and to forget those details because one of the things that I'm aware of and one of the things that I'm mindful of is this, is that the young man did not have to live that way and he did not have to die that way. He had parents who loved him, parents who cared about him, parents who would have done anything they could to change his course of life. They would have done anything they could to have helped made his life better. He did not have to live that way, and he did not have to die that way, but he lived that way, and he died that way because he chose to. I don't understand it. That doesn't compute in my mind. That doesn't register with me. Why would you choose to live that way? But he did, and thus he chose to die that way. Now, as you keep that in mind, this evening we're going to come to verse number four. As we do, I just want to remind us of the angle or the perspective from which Paul is writing this letter to the church in Corinth. He is doing so from the only angle and the only perspective from which he can write this letter, and that is with the assumption that those who make up the church were saved children of God. I think the Apostle Paul would have known as well or better than any preacher out there that not everyone in the church was a true child of God, was not truly saved and born again. But the Apostle Paul was in no better position to determine who was and was not saved than any of us. And so he has to 
approach this letter to the church there in Corinth from the perspective that the people are saved and, and they have a personal relationship with God. And so in doing that, in verse number 4, he writes these words, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ. Now keep in mind, the Apostle Paul is not writing to preachers. He is not writing to to those studying to be in the ministry. He is not, stu- he's not writing to the scholars or, or anyone of that nature. He is writing to just everyday church members who would have made up the church body there in Corinth. And he said that as he thinks upon them, he said, I thank my God always on your behalf or for you for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ. And we understand the doctrine of that, I hope, that it is by the grace of God that anyone is saved, that anyone becomes a child of God because of the work of Jesus Christ in our lives. That in mind, he continues on in verse number 5 to say this, that in everything ye are enriched by him. That in everything ye are enriched by him. Now, Paul, again, is making this personal to the believers. I want you to know that this is true for you, that ye are enriched by him in everything. Okay, so what does it mean whenever he says that you are enriched? It means this, to be furnished abundantly. Okay, so he says that you have been furnished abundantly In everything, you have everything you need, believers of Corinth. You, individual, you have everything you need fully and abundantly and completely. You have been enriched by him. But he narrows it down to two specific areas in this particular verse. Notice what he says, that in everything ye are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge. In all utterance and in all knowledge. What is knowledge talking about? It's talking about a person's understanding. He says that because of the grace of God that has worked in their life through Christ Jesus, he says, in everything you are fully furnished as it relates to the knowledge. Well, the knowledge of what? The knowledge of God. The knowledge of spiritual things. The Apostle Paul at this point is not worried about carnal things. He's not worried about material or worldly things. He's not worried about material things. Material things. The Apostle Paul right now is very much in a spiritual mindset, in a spiritual way of thinking. And so when he begins to write to them and telling them that they are enriched or, or fully furnished, He is talking about a spiritual knowledge and a spiritual understanding, and not only in knowledge, but in utterance. What does it mean when he says utterance? It means this, the ability to communicate. The ability to communicate, to utter or to speak. Does this make sense? He says, believers, because of the grace of God which is given you by Christ Jesus... That in everything, in every area, you are furnished abundantly by Him or through Him, especially in these areas, that of utterance or the communication or the speaking of the things of God and in all knowledge or the understanding of God and the spiritual things. 
Why is that worthy of attention? It's worthy of attention for this reason. Here's the Apostle Paul, again, not writing to scholars, not writing to preachers, not writing to those studying to be either of the two. He is writing to everyday church people, and he says, I want you to know something, that because of the grace of God working in your life, you are furnished with the ability to understand God and understand spiritual things. Believers in Corinth, you do not have to be ignorant. Believers in Corinth, you do not have to be spoon-fed everything. Believers in Corinth, you can know spiritual truths in and of yourself. Yes, you need the preaching of the Word of God. Yes, you need things like this letter that I am penning to you, the Apostle Paul would say. But he would want them to know and he would want them to understand. You have the ability to discern Bible truth and spiritual truth and spiritual knowledge. And as a result, you have the ability to communicate that truth to other individuals. That is, so, that is so important. Why is it so important? Because today God's people need to understand that principle as well. Today God's people need to understand that they, because of the grace of God that has worked in their life through Christ Jesus, if they are truly saved, they can understand the Word of God. They can understand, because of God's grace working in their life, what the Scripture is teaching. You are not dependent upon a preacher for all of your spiritual learning. The spiritual learning at church is necessary. The preaching of the Word of God is necessary. But today, church members need to be reminded of this simple truth, that you can know the truth of God in and of yourselves by being a student of it. We'll say more about this in a few moments, but you can do it. It can be done. And not only can you understand the truths of God's Word, you can communicate the truths of God's Word. You can tell others what God's Word says and what God's Word means. It is not just the preacher who is able or capable to say, okay, now here's what the Word of God means and here's how I'd like to explain it to you. It is not just the Sunday school teacher. It is not just the Bible study leader. It is not just the junior church workers. It is not just the deacons or whomever it may be. Anyone who is a child of God, anyone who is saved, is capable of understanding the Word of God. And they are capable of communicating the Word of God. It's that simple. So he says in verse number 5, that in everything you are enriched by Him in all utterance and in all knowledge. In verse number 6, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, which means even as the testimony of Christ was witnessed in you, meaning that there was a clear testimony of the salvation of at least some in the church that the Apostle Paul uh, was acquainted with and aware of. So he talks about the witness of their salvation. But in verse number 7, he goes on to say this, 
so that ye uh, so that ye come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. What does it mean when he speaks of waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ? It means this. The Apostle Paul was anticipating the return of Christ. And he was expecting the Corinthian believers to be anticipating the return of Christ. But until that happened, notice what he said. He said, so that ye come behind in no gift. What does it mean to come behind? It means to be lacking. It means to be lacking, for there to be a deficiency of something. A a, a lacking of what? A lacking, he said, in the gifts. What is a gift? A, A gift is something that is bestowed upon someone that they did not deserve. It was not based on their merit. Whenever you and I celebrate our child's birthday and we give them gifts, what are we doing? We are giving them something they don't deserve. We're doing that out of the goodness of our own hearts, correct? They don't deserve gifts just because they made it another year. But when you and I give them gifts, we are giving them something for their pleasure, for their benefit, for their use, and things of that nature. We are giving that to them, though they don't necessarily deserve it. Well, here is the Apostle Paul, and he writes of the gifts that you are not lacking or deficient in or come behind in. What kind of gifts? Spiritual gifts. As we make our way through this study of 1 Corinthians over the next few months, here's what we'll understand, is that there were many people in the church who were not exercising their spiritual gifts properly. I would, I would suggest that there were many people in the church who were not only not using their gifts properly, they weren't even using their gifts Because the Apostle Paul has to explain that every spiritual gift is significant to the body of Christ. So you may not be the head, you may just be the toe, you may not be the eye, you may be the ear. But it does not matter which part you are contributing to the body, everything is important and everything is significant. So here's what the Apostle Paul seems to be saying, is as a result of your salvation and the grace that you have been been given... You are not lacking, you are not deficient in a spiritual gift. You, believer, have something to offer to the church body that you are a part of. You are not lacking as we wait for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you unto the end. What does that mean? It means this, who shall preserve you unto the end. You know what the Apostle Paul reminds them of? Your salvation is the work of God in your life, not the work of you in your life. Who also shall confirm you unto the end, that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. And notice what he says in verse number 9, God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. He says God is faithful, God is reliable, and God is trustworthy. God is the one who called you into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Okay. Having said all that, here's what I want us to focus on tonight, and here's what I want us to be mindful of. The Apostle Paul said to everyday common Joes like me and you, 
because of the grace of God, you have been enriched. You have been furnished abundantly with everything you need to know the things of God, to communicate the things of God, and you have been given everything you need to know your spiritual gift, and you have been given everything you need to execute your spiritual gift until the return of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you, knowing that God had furnished them by grace because of their faith in Jesus Christ for knowledge and for utterance and for the performing of their gift, knowing that everything they needed was made available, were they living in light of those realities? The answer is no. As you read through the book of Corinthians, here's what you'll find out if you don't know this already. You will find that as you read through the book of Corinthians, these were people who did not know the truth of God's word or what they should have known. They did not abide by it in their personal lives. Now, you know why they were ignorant to the Word of God in their life? You know why they were ignorant to the truths of God's Word in their life? It was not because they had not been enriched by Him. You know why they were ignorant of spiritual truth and spiritual knowledge and spiritual understanding? Because they were content to be ignorant. They were content to be ignorant. You know why they did not communicate the Word of God properly as they should have within the body of the believers? And you know why they obviously did not communicate the Word of God as they should have in a lost and dying community there in the city of Corinth? You know why they didn't communicate the Word of God like they should? Because they were content not to. They were satisfied with where they were. And you know why they did not either know their gifts or exercise their gifts properly inside the church and contribute to the body in the way that they were supposed to? You know why they didn't do it? You ought to see a trend here by now. It's because they were content to either not know their gift or to execute it properly within the body of the church that they were a member of. Because of their salvation, they had everything available to them for knowledge, for understanding, and for communication of what they knew and the ability to exercise their gift. But see, they did not live the way they could have. They chose to live a life and they chose to die, many of them, a life that they did not have to live and a death they did not have to die. Does this make sense? They went through their spiritual lives not living the way they could have and should have 
not because it wasn't available to them, but because they chose not to take advantage of what was available to them. I have the ability. I have the power. God has enriched me. But see, I'm not worried about it. I'm content. I'm satisfied. I'm not too worried. I'm not too uptight about this. And so, you know, if if I don't get the knowledge, I don't get the knowledge. If I don't have the understanding, I don't have the understanding. If I don't communicate, I don't communicate. And if I don't use my gifts, I don't use my gifts. And as a result, they lived an inferior Christian life that they did not have to live. And as they lived out their days and they lived out their years, and the Scripture indicates in 1 Corinthians that some entered into eternity because of their death. You know what they did? They died deaths. They did not have to die. They chose to live that life as inferior as it was, spiritually speaking, And they chose to die that death spiritually as inferior as it was with no understanding, with no utterance, and no real usage of the gifts God had given them. Why focus on that? Why say anything? Why bring it to our attention? Oh, I don't know. But maybe because the modern day church is already, if we're not able to tell, is already resembling so much of the Corinthian church. Brother Kyle, I I just don't understand the Word of God. I understand. I don't understand all the Word of God. Anyone who tells you they understand all the Word of God is a liar and the truth is not in them because there is no way to understand all the Word of God. Do you want to know a real problem in our churches today? It's not that people can't understand the Word of God but they choose to live their spiritual lives in such a way that they don't ever really begin to understand the Word of God on their own. Brother Kyle, it's just so hard. It's just so difficult. I I understand some of it's very hard. I understand that some of it is very difficult, but, but some of this is pretty simple. Some of this is pretty obvious. Some of this is pretty basic. Some of this is just something you, you, you just have to read and give attention to it and apply yourself to it. Now, see, here's the problem. It's not so many times that the Word of God is incapable of being understood and we are incapable of processing what it is we have read. But the problem is, is we don't want to put forth the effort to understand what has been made available to us by the grace of God through our faith in Jesus Christ. 
So many people are content to come and sit in church and never grow spiritually on their own if they are spoon-fed something by the teacher or by the Bible school Bible study leader or from the pastor or whomever else it may be. If somebody spoon-feeds them all of the doctrines and all of the teachings of whatever scripture they're studying, that's great. But but to really dig into it myself, oh, well, well I, I, I just I can't understand it. No, 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 no. We're not being honest. We're just content to not apply ourselves to it. Because you and I have the ability to understand what we want to apply ourselves to. If I want to apply myself to learn something, I can, I, I can do it, I can apply myself, and I can learn it. I may not ever master it, but I can have a far better understanding of it than what I may have today. So many people use the excuse, I just can't understand the Word of God. That's well, a cop-out. What we need to just go ahead and admit is this, I don't want to apply myself to the Word of God. I don't want to study it. I don't want to read into it. I don't want to dig. I don't want to get bogged down in a particular passage. I don't want to, you know, read some reference book. That's not what I... Okay, let's just be honest. The reason we don't understand more is because we don't apply ourselves more. And friends, it's a choice we make. We do not have to be spiritually ignorant. We can choose a better spiritual life by saying this. I'm going to give myself. Even if it takes a month, I'm going to give myself to this particular passage. And I'm going to try to read it and reread it and understand it and figure it out. And where I have some questions, I'm going to ask the pastor. I'm going to ask the Sunday school teacher. I'm going to, I'm going to deal with this passage until I understand it. We can do it if we choose to. The modern day church is beginning to resemble, and I trust you see this, we're beginning to resemble the Corinthian church in this manner. Well, I, I can't communicate the Word of God. That's a lie. Every one of us have the ability to communicate that which we know. I can't stand before you today and tell you a whole lot about geometry or physics or chemistry or things of that nature for this reason, because I don't know much about it. I can tell you that looks like a number and that looks like a letter and I don't know what they're doing with each other, but past that, I, I don't have a lot of knowledge about it, but if you want to talk to me about something I know, guess what I have the ability to do? I have the ability to communicate. See, so many people have bought into this lie that 
I, I just I can't communicate. I, I just can't say anything. I just can't I just can't present the word of God to anyone. You know, I just I don't really have that gift. I really don't have that ability. I understand. Please get this. I understand that we may not be the most eloquent of people. I, I am so many times. I feel inferior in my ability to communicate. There are so many times that I think, man, why didn't I say this better? Why didn't I present the information better? But if we want to communicate, we can. So here's what I've discovered about people. Not only do we have the ability to talk about that which we know, we also have the ability to talk when we want to talk. I just, I don't like to talk. That's weird. I heard you talking nonstop the other day about this. Well, you know, I just, I, I'm not very comfortable. I just, I don't like to, to visit much. That's not true because with certain people, you can just go to town and never shut up. See, so many people sitting in the church, they have convinced themselves, I can't say anything. No, it's not that we can't say anything. It's that we choose not to say anything. Maybe it's fear that's keeping us from speaking up, but it could be that we just know we don't really know the Word of God, so we need to just keep our mouth shut. And that's our fault. But listen, friends, to choose that way of a lifestyle is our choice, and that is no way to live. Spiritually speaking, that is not living to go through life with the willful ignorance when so much more is available to us and to go through life with an ability to communicate, but we've robbed ourselves of that. So therefore, nobody gets to hear the word of God that we come into contact with because it's really, really not our place. But we're also beginning to resemble the church of Corinth in this regard. People don't even begin to know what their spiritual gift is. They're not worried about seeking their spiritual gift. And if they do know what their spiritual gift is, they're not worried about executing it within the body that they are a member of. And they have all these different reasons for why they can't use their gift in the body of Christ. Brother Kyle, I don't know what my gift is. Brother Kyle, I don't even know how I can contribute. Brother Kyle, I mean, I just, I don't know. I've said this before and I want to say it again. It is not my responsibility to tell anyone what their spiritual gift is. When we got saved, Paul's going to make it clear in 1 Corinthians, when we got saved, the Holy Spirit of God gave us a spiritual gift. If you say tonight you don't have a spiritual gift, then you are publicly declaring you're not a child of God. I cannot tell you what your spiritual gift is any more than you can tell someone else what their spiritual gift is. But I'm telling you, there are many people who attend church on a regular basis, ours are not excluded, and they do not have any idea what their purpose is within the church they are a member of. I, just, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do. 
But you want me to tell you, right? Yeah, no, 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 that's not how it works. Down deep, they do know what their spiritual gift is. But they don't want the accountability of using it in the church. Because to exercise and to execute that gift in the way that it's supposed to be done in the church, well, that might take away from them, or that may take away from their desires, it may take away from their time, it may put them in an uncomfortable, awkward position. I mean, there could be, I guess, hundreds of excuses as to why people don't use their gift. But, but do you realize that that's how so many people sitting in modern-day churches are living? They don't have a clear understanding of God's Word, and I don't mean completely. I just mean, in general, they have a very small, limited working knowledge of the Word of God. At best, all they can do is just kind of generally spout off ideas, but they don't even know what, for, what they're talking about for sure. They don't speak up and say much because they don't have confidence because they know they don't know the Word of God or they've got such a fear about them that they have gone into their hole, so to speak, and they have convinced themselves they don't have anything to say or no one would listen to them or whatever it may be. And then when it comes to their work in the church by way of the gift that they have been given, they don't do anything. They don't do anything in the church, and that is how they live their spiritual lives. almost like spiritual vagrants. Just existing day to day to day. And then one day they pass into eternity. No clear understanding of the Word of God that was available to them as they lived on this earth. Why? Because they didn't really apply themselves to it. They never really told anyone about the Word of God just you know, unless it was just super obvious and blatant and just something that was forced upon them. They never really did much with the gift that they were given. And that's how they enter into eternity. They didn't have to live that way. And they didn't have to die that way. But that's exactly what happened. Because they chose to live that way. I'm not upset. I'm not discouraged. I'll go home and I'll eat some ice cream or do whatever I decide to do tonight and I'm going to do it with fairly good countenance about myself. But it disturbs me. The number of people in our church who have said over the years, I just don't understand the Bible. Well, don't start with Ezekiel. You know, I mean, seriously. Go to the Sermon on the Mount and work on that for a year. For a year, trust me, if you get the Sermon on the Mount, you'll do, you'll do fine. Fine. 
go to these small epistles that the Apostle Paul wrote and that Peter wrote and that James wrote. Man, get to know those things. Those things are easy to understand for the most part. If you'll just get to know that, you'll, you'll, have, you'll have plenty to keep you busy. But it disturbs me whenever people in our own church say, oh, you know, I just can't. No, it's not that you can't. If you're a child of God, it's because you choose not to. Brother Kyle, I just, I don't know what to say. Well, friend, I won't be there to put the words in your mouth all the time. If you get to know the Word of God, you'll know what you're supposed to say in the settings and in the situations and in the circumstances. If you will get to know the Word of God, I promise you, you'll begin to have a boldness that you didn't know you had. The reason we don't have a boldness is because we don't know the Word of God. And, and the reason that people in our church are in that position is because they choose to be in that position. And it disturbs me. I'm just being honest with you. Again, I'm not upset. It just disturbs me, though, the number of people who are not exercising their spiritual gifts and they act like, I don't even know what my gift is and I don't even know how I'd use it in the church. Pray about it. Figure it out. The reason we don't know what our gift is and the reason we're not using it is because we choose not to. And if you want to argue that, you'll have to take it up between you and the Lord because I will not argue that. But we don't have to live that way. And we don't have to die that way. There is so much more available to us. But we have to choose to pursue it. Let's all stand tonight and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Fathers, I come to you this evening, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to take into serious consideration the Apostle Paul's words to these believers in Corinth. These were everyday people, just like us. There was nothing special, there was nothing superior about these people over us. They were just normal people who got up every day and lived normal lives. And the Apostle Paul made these truths known to them. God, I pray that you'd help us to let these truths sink deep into our hearts. God, that you'd help us to realize there is a better way of life so that there can be a better way to death and to one day stand before you. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.